What is going on everyone? Welcome back. A brand new episode of Raise the Apple. We got a lot to talk about with the New York Mets and the latest to a what seems to be topless mountain of injuries, for lack of a better word. But before we get into that, if you are watching on YouTube, I'm trying something a little different. I'm going to upload the recorded part, the video, actual video recordings as opposed to just the audio clips on YouTube. My camera, for whatever reason, is not working. So you guys, for the first episode, get to deal with my computer camera until I can figure that out. But we're going to try doing this from now on. Also, the audio version, as always, will be uploaded to Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. But let's dive right into it. The Mets ended their three-game skid tonight. I'm recording this Monday night. It'll be uploaded uh, about Tuesday morning slash afternoon, just like it always is. They got swept by the Rays in Tampa. Just not a good series overall. Uh, Patrick Mazika was really the only bright spot in that series with a solo home run. His first big league hit, his first big league homework. Congrats to him. But other than that, Tampa was just an utter, just, uh we're going to forget Tampa. Tampa was horrible. It ended up with, ended the series besides Mazika's homer. Conforto left the, the final game of the series early because of hamstring issue when he was running the bases. McNeil, who had body cramps earlier last week, was also taken out of the game because of a hamstring issue. They were both placed on the IL today. And that is just the cherry on top of the latest Mets injury woes. This team, for some reason, just loves, loves the injuries. Don't know what it is. But on, on a bright, bright-ish note regarding all the in, even with all the injuries, it's good that it's happening now. In May, when it's early enough in the season, the Mets are still in first place. They won today, so they'll keep they'll stay in first place no matter what happens with the Phillies tonight. So they'll stay in first. With all these injuries still happening, and it is still early enough in the year that, you know, it's not like it's September and they're in the middle of a playoff race trying to seal the division with a team a game behind them and half their roster's injured. Right now, their injures, injuries include... Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Carlos Carrasco, Seth Lugo, Dylan Patances, Jeff McNeil, J.D. Davis, Luis Guillorme, Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto, and Albert Armora Jr. All are currently on the IL with potentially two more on the way. Taiwan Walker got the start tonight. He had three almost perfect innings, only gave up a hit to Braves starter Max Fried. He left with left side tightness. And then Kevin Pillar later in the seventh got hit in the face by Jacob Webb pitch. Uh, unintentional accident. Hit him in the face. Blood gushing from his nose. Thankfully, it was a horrific scene, but thankfully it hit him in the nose slash face area. It looked like at first it may have hit the top of his helmet, but at second glance it must have hit his nose. Horrible overall. Hope he's okay, but thankfully it was his nose. Hopefully, the worst of it is maybe a bloody nose, maybe a broken nose. Uh, he's probably gonna have a nice shiner tomorrow morning. Thankfully, though, it didn't hit him anywhere in the skull or head area. 
where it could have been a you know a concussion issue or brain damage or head another head injury or something like that. Thankfully, it hit his nose and not higher on his head because that could have been a whole lot worse. But he was able to get up relatively quickly and walk off the field on his own power, which is a very very good sign. Kevin Pillar is one of the tougher guys in baseball. He got hit uh, two two years ago. I want to say in the face and was back in the lineup the next day. I doubt it'll be he'll be back in the lineup tomorrow. He might, but I doubt he will. But very scary injury to watch, and it's just this team with injuries. All they worked so off so hard off season to build experienced veteran depth, and now that depth is gone because that veteran depth is now starting every day because their normal regular everyday starters are all injured. So it's it's good because it's giving that bench depth some playing time. It's bad because now that depth is severely depleted. Their bench now, you got Mazika, uh, Nito, who got the start today, but has primarily been off the bench. They uh, brought up Khalil Lee, who I brought up last episode, who came from the Royals in the trade that sent Andrew Benintendi to Kansas City. They also brought up, I can't say his first name, Yasemis. Fargus, I did not say his first name right at all. I apologize for that. Uh, who else did it? There's one of the... Jack Jake Hager. Jack Hager gets also gets brought up. Minor league depth, and they could it could work out, but it's 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 annoying because it's like it's one of those instances where it's like why why. Are the Mets always seem to be cursed with stuff like this? When you have a team that was as deep as it was with experience depth, and now all of a sudden it's gone because everybody's getting hurt. And thankfully, though, they're not serious, or they're serious injuries, but they're not like going to be out for a long time. Lugo and Syndergaard are starting rehab with St. Lucie this week. You got. I don't know what the deal is with Patances. DeGrom is throwing a bullpen tomorrow. He should be good to come back to the team. Uh, and when they're in Miami at the end of the week, J.D. Davis is starting rehab tomorrow. So a lot of guys are starting to come back. Half of those guys are starting to come back. It's just a matter of being patient and waiting for those guys to come. But it is certainly just... It's one of those like that so much moments when you got almost your entire starting rotation, half your offense injured, and somehow they're still in first place, which I don't know if that goes to show how poor the NL East is playing to start the year, or that that just shows how good this Mets team really is. I guess time will tell as we get down the stretch, but certainly if these injuries continue, you got to have a next man up. Or they're gonna to have to go outside of the organization and try and try and fill these holes because they got Amora's not gonna be back for a little bit probably because he was injured with the uh, running into the wall. Batansis, no one has heard anything about what his deal is with coming back. You don't know how long Conforto and McNeil are gonna be out. You don't know how much longer Yorme's gonna be out, and same with Nimmo because they've had setbacks with rehab. It's frustrating, but. It's okay considering that it's early enough in the season and the Mets are still in first place. They're still playing while they've won eight of their last 11. So we're trying to look on the positive side, not the fact that half of their roster is 
currently injured, which was very similar to, not to throw it back a little bit, but very similar to 2015. When they went through a stretch where they weren't hitting, they weren't scoring because everybody was injured left, right, and sideways. Now they finally got everyone healthy to start the year, and then now the injuries are piling up, and it is just great. We love it. But that is going... Oh, we got one other thing with the Mets that I almost forgot about. Kind of related to the Mets, kind of not really. So... It's regards with COVID protocols, so the CDC has announced that vaccinated people, the mask requirements and social, distance, social distancing requirements will be lifted for vac all vaccinated people. New York today, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo announced that New York will also be following those guidelines starting Wednesday, where vaccinated people don't have to wear masks or social distance anymore. Why that's related to baseball is because at least with the Mets, the Mets haven't said anything yet with regards to, because right now they have the vaccinated seating and unvaccinated seating, and regardless of which section you're in, you still have to wear a mask. So the Mets haven't announced yet if, like, if they're following suit with the rules or they are going to continue to enforce masks or social distancing stuff for vaccinated people or unvaccinated people or whatever the case may be. They haven't announced anything, but on Wednesday... Masks and social distancing are lifted for vaccinated people, so I assume that the Mets will follow suit and do the same thing, or more or less, I don't know. But that's just something to keep an eye on and, you know, in the back of your head if you're planning on going out to City Field sometime in the next little bit. But that's all for the Mets today. They won game one today, 3-1. to one. Uh, Fargus had his first big league hit and RBI double. James McCann had an RBI double. Pilar got, uh, had when he got hit by the pitch, it was bases loaded, so that drove in a run. And then for the Braves, Austin Riley had a solo home run. Uh, the Braves are in, they're, they're kind of in a weird spot, and I only say that because their offense is so good, but their pitching just has not really been there. Soroka's still out. Max Freed has started the year awful. Then was injured, then come back, came back. He's been much better. They just lost their currently their best starter in Huskari yeah, Inoa. We'll talk about that injury in a little bit. But the Braves are certainly much... They're, like I mentioned a little bit ago about the Yankees, it's the same thing with the Braves. I'm not worried. If, if I'm a Braves fan, I'm not worried about where they are right now. They're three games under 500. They're not pitching great. I'm not worried about that yet. Maybe in June, July, August, I'm probably worried about that. But the Braves, just like the Yankees, are too talented to stay where they are for the whole year. And we've seen the Yankees bounce back into it lately. And oh, with Aaron Judge leading the charge and Luke Voigt coming back finally, the Braves are will also catch fire at some point. But they, they'll be right there. It'll be the Mets, Braves, battling it out all year. The Phillies are sticking around a little bit, too. So it should be exciting to watch down the stretch. But we have some Major League Baseball news to discuss. First of all, like I mentioned before, I'm recording this Monday night. Mike Trout just left the game with an apparent injury, which I'm hopefully is nothing bad. There's no update yet. Just saying that he exited with a right calf strain. 
Oh boy. Hopefully that's nothing too serious because what's the what are the Angels without Mike Trout? Speaking of the Angels, after they uh, release Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols has a new home. We talked about Pujols on Thursday. He is now a member. He is changing LA's. He is now a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He has signed a one-year contract. He will finish out the rest of the regular and postseason should the Dodgers make it with the Dodger Blue. That is a great move for both sides. So first of all, it's a good move for Pujols because he still gets to play. He still gets to contribute to a championship team. And he deserves, if this year is it, he hasn't said anything about retirement, but if this year is it, He's going out the right way and being able to play on a team and not having to retire after being released. He's going out the right way. From the Dodgers' standpoint, this is a great move because the Dodgers have also been hit with injury issues, not as much as the Mets, but they've also been hit with injury issues. Uh, you're losing Dustin May for the year. David Price is out for a little bit, but he's coming back. Tony Gonsolin's out. Corey Seager just broke his hand after getting hit by a pitch. He'll be out for at least a month. So the injuries for the Dodgers are starting to pile up a little bit. So bringing in Pujols, veteran leadership, he's nine times out of ten going to be off the bench in a pinch hit role. And just because that's how loaded the Dodgers are offensively with talent. But you might see him, if they're playing in an AL park, start at DH. Or maybe he'll get some time at first base every so often to give uh, a Muncie the day off from time to time. Or maybe they want to give Turner the day off. They move Muncie to third and then have Pujols play first or something. Anything like that. But it was a great move for both sides. Great move for baseball having Pujols still playing. Still going. Even though it's a part-time role, it's a great move overall. The next thing is Garrett Cole. In a year that has been dominated by pitching, it's continuing. Corbin Burns started the year, struck out 50 Six batters, or no, 58 batters without allowing a walk, which is a major league record until tonight where Garrett Cole broke that. He went, added a couple more. He struck out 61 straight batters without allowing a walk, and then he walked someone shortly after. That is unreal. 61 straight strikeouts without a walk for Garrett Cole, a new major league record. This year, pitching has just dominated. We talked about it before. You had four no-hitters already this year. The offense overall, league-wide, not just with the Mets, league-wide has been much lower than it has been in the past, especially coming off the quote-unquote juice ball era. So it's certainly going to be interesting to see when the weather starts, as the weather starts to warm up and starts getting to summertime, how teams adjust, how players adjust. How pitching changes, gets better, gets worse. How hitting, if it continues on this trend, if it starts picking up, I think it'll start to balance itself out once the summer hits. But we'll we'll see how we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, but Garrett Cole, I'm a little uh, Garrett Cole is kind of a sour spot, I guess. That might probably that's probably the wrong term to use sore spot maybe and it's annoying because you look at i bring up only because of the pine tar stuff now i'm not saying garrett cole 100 has used pine tar 
But, you know, we have the leaked text messages of Garrett Cole and the Angels Clubhouse staff member when the, the Yankees were in L.A. and saying he was in a sticky situation and he needed some help. And then you got John Means. You could clearly see him flipping around with something in his glove. You, there's clear, And there's so many more guys that are using pine tar. And I bring it up because Trevor Bauer was outed in an article in The Athletic for having balls set, suspicious balls set to Major League Baseball. And the reason I bring it up is because the inco- it's the inconsistency. You know, they, the MLB made this thing saying they were going to make a big deal over the pine tar stuff. They were going to start cracking down on it. But then, okay, so they set, they're like Bauer. They pick Bauer. They write the article about Bauer. They're, re- they're going through his balls. But then, Garrett Cole, who had, there's the text messages and all that. Then there's the John Means stuff, which is very clear that John Means is fiddling with something in his glove. Otherwise, it's either he's got like a thing, like a nervous, I don't want to say nervous tick, but like just like a habit of his to like play with his glove, or there's something he's fiddling with in his glove. And then there's a clip of someone put on Twitter where it looks like his fingers like stuck together for a little bit and he had to pull them apart. Not one thing have you seen, not one headline have you seen about Garrett Cole's pine tar stuff, alleged pine tar use, or John Means fiddling with his glove. But Minute Bauer, who's much more vocal than John, John Means doesn't say anything. Garrett Cole doesn't really say a lot either. But Trevor Bauer says a lot. So that's, it's just, the inconsistency. The thing is, if you're going to enforce this rule, actually enforce it. Don't pick and choose which players you are going to say we're gonna. They're checking balls league wide, not. But the fact that they're only gonna make a big stink over one or two guys, then no, they need to do that. It needs to be consistent for everyone. If you're gonna make a big stink about Bauer, or you're gonna make a big stink about Garrett Cole, or a big stink about John Means, make sure you are doing it about every single one of them. That's how it should be. If you're going to hold one, you need, can't just hold one accountable. You have to hold all of them accountable. That's just my, that's just my personal thing. But, but yeah, that, I mean, I don't really know what else to say on that. It's just the inconsistency. If you're going to enforce it, actually enforce it. And don't pick and choose which players you're going to make a big stink over on social media about. That's just, like, it doesn't make any sense. But, nonetheless, Huskar uh, Yanoa. We said we were going to talk about it. One of the... It's not funny. Well, the story is funny. The injury is not funny. He's been great for Atlanta this year. Had his, You know what? Had his best start for Atlanta... Or best starts for Atlanta. He got roughed up last or yesterday against the Brewers. Comes into the dugout. Punches the wall with his pitching hand. Fractures his hand. His hand's broken. He'll be out for at least one to two months. Another blow to the Braves rotation. A what do you doing move for Yanoa? Why? <laughs> Just why? Uh the one thing I don't I'm not by no means an expert on pitching. But one of the things that they you're not supposed to do is do anything stupid with your throwing arm. Whether it's the elbow, the hand, the shoulder, you're you're supposed to treat your throwing arm like a baby. You're not supposed to do anything stupid with it. 
And here's Yanoa freaking punching a brick wall, thinking that he's going to win that fight. Just a, just a bra moment, honestly. Oh, gosh. Sometimes baseball gives you some really weird circumstances, really weird stories to talk about. That will bring us to the last part of today's episode. Uh, this day in baseball history in 1970, today in baseball history, Hank Aaron collected his 3,000th hit off of Reds pitcher Wayne Simpson. He became the ninth player in Major League history and the first with 500 home runs to reach the 3,000 hit club, which speaks to just how good Hank Aaron was. And I would, if I could go back in time in baseball history, I'd go back to, it'd be between Babe Ruth, Jackie Robinson, or Hank Aaron. You know, if I could watch Babe Ruth or watch Jackie Robinson when he first came up and broke the color barrier, or just watching all of Hank Aaron's career up close, that would have been, that just absolutely mashed one of the greatest players ever. It was just, ugh. If you could watch, if you watch, if you just looking at his numbers, it is ridiculous what Hank Aaron was able to do. And especially with all the off field stuff going on with, you know, people giving him death threats and all that stuff. Just incredible, incredible. That's going to wrap it up, though, for today's episode of Raise the Apple. If you're watching on YouTube, let me know what you guys think of the actual video part getting uploaded. Uh, hopefully, the next one will be more clear because my camera will actually be working. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, make sure you subscribe as well. YouTube listeners, like, comment, share, subscribe down below. And we will see you guys on Thursday. Hopefully the Mets can get the series dubbed tomorrow. Go for the sweep on Thursday. Again, no, today's Monday. Get the series win tomorrow. Get the sweep on Wednesday. And then open up their series with the win against the Marlins on Thursday. And we will see you guys then. And hopefully we get some positive news on all the injury bug that seems to be going around the Mets clubhouse. But we will see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in, and let's go Mets. Bang, bang, won't stop till we're legend.